Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to a passage we've already gone over, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we're going to talk today about perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. Perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. Now, what's great about going through a book chapter by chapter and verse by verse as we've been doing is that when it's appropriate in a time like this, when I sense God's doing something in my heart as a church, we can actually go back to the passage, see how it applies in a fresh new way. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, look back to go forward. Now, we don't look back at our past to want to be in the past. We look back at our past to remind us of the things God has taught us. So just remember that. Sometimes the Bible commands you to look back, but it's looking back on God's faithfulness. It's looking back on God's past words, not looking back on your past mistakes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Because Paul said, I forget those things which are behind, talking about his former way of living, and I look forward. But not forgetting what God had done in his life because Paul continually shared his testimony saying, I look back on the good of what God did in my life, and that's the foundation. So let's look back at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, and let's see what the job of the church is and how saints are supposed to be equipped. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And let's read verse 12 together. One, two, three. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now remember that phrase as we go through our message today. Verse 13. This process of these ministers doing these things to the saints is for verse 13. Till we all, somebody say, we all. Now, does that include children? Yes, until we all, including children, young and old, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's who we are in Christ, the perfect man. We are made perfect in Christ. The fullness of Christ is now in us. Everybody look up at me, please. The fullness of the deity, the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus, and now the fullness of Jesus is in us. That's what it says, that we should no longer, look verse 14, that we should no longer be what? Children. We should no longer be what? children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. That means it's not natural for a child to stay a child. Children have to grow up. And spiritually, we are made children of God, and we're infants in our maturity, but we're not meant to stay as infants. We're meant to grow up. So should children stay children? No matter how much mothers love their children and how cute they are, children should not stay children. Children should grow up. Should spiritual children, those who are just made new Christians, should they stay as baby new Christians, not knowing right from wrong, not knowing the word? No, they should grow up. So we shouldn't be children any longer, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Come on, look at these young neighbors and say, grow up. See, everybody has to grow up into all things, into Christ, him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what, uh, by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. Say every part. Come on, say it like you mean it. Every part does its share. 
Just give me a little bit more monitor, please. Thank you. Every part does its share. Do children do their share? That's right. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what we want to now do in this season of the church is we want to integrate our children to the Sunday service. And so we want to provide now a pathway for children to grow up spiritually with us. I think for too long it's been acceptable for us to treat children in a different way than the Bible treats them. So just let me talk to you a little bit from my heart. Should children have children activities? Absolutely. Should children have their own time uh, to be with children or to learn things on a child's level? Absolutely. But as a parent who's also a pastor, I've begun to realize that my children are missing out on what I consider the best day of the week and the best experience of the week. See, to put my children into the hands of someone else during the time when I'm experiencing God seems to me like I'm not doing the work of my ministry. See, when we read that passage, it says these five groups of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, have a job to do, and it's called ministry, and their job is to raise up people for the work of the ministry. Now, the work of the ministry is a ministry that has to be taught to you. Children are no different. They have to be taught the work of the ministry. And so what is a way that we can teach children the work of the ministry? What's one of the ways we can do it? We can show them what church is like. We can show them what worship is like. And now that may bring up some questions because like you, I'm a 21st century Christian, so I think Sunday school and children being separate from the adults is a normal thing. But is that the way Jesus raised children? Is that the way that the disciples raised children? No. Now, listen, I'm not saying that Sunday school is wrong or we're here to now put down others and say we're better than them. No, but let's look at this passage, Matthew 19, 13 through 15, and see how it was with Jesus and see how we as Metro Praise International can get closest to Jesus. It says, then people brought little children. Big children? No. What kind of children? Little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Do you think those little children were making noises like some of our little children are now? Do you think that little bit of noise bothered Jesus? No. But it did bother the disciples who didn't have the kingdom mindset, didn't it? Uh, But the disciples rebuked them. See, the disciples in their mindset had an idea of church almost like an idea of a secular government. That when the church meets, that only the men should be present. And in that culture, only the men make the decisions. And the women and children, well, they just go off somewhere over there. But Jesus was saying, no, we're not going to run this as the secular government. The church is actually a family. And we need the little ones here. Now, does that mean that everything in the church is for little ones? I'm not going to have my three-year-old help me make financial decisions with how we spend the church money. No, there are things appropriate for children. But in this setting, Sunday morning, is this an appropriate setting for children? Is this a great place for them to be? Absolutely. So the disciples rebuked them. So I hope that none of us here today have the mindset of these wrong disciples who rebuked them because... The disciples rebuked the parents, but Jesus rebuked the disciples. He said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. 
that belongs to them. And the Bible then says when he placed his hands on them, he went from there. So I want to just encourage you today as the church is changing and being led of the Lord that we would give ourselves permission to have children in this time. And now some of you may have some concerns with that and you may say, well, what about me, pastor? What about my time to focus? I'm now focusing on my children. (laughs) Oh, oh, my friend, Uh, your ministry right now then is for your children. You, you don't need another sermon. You need to talk to your children. If, if all I do, every parent look up at me, please. If all I do is provide 45 minutes of awkward talks with you and your children, then I have helped you as a parent more than you'll ever be helped by me preaching a thousand sermons. Because each time you explain to them, we're listening, we're learning, We're worshiping now. We're praying now. We want you seated now. We want you to go with mommy and daddy to the front now. Every time my wife does that for my children, she is doing something that I could never do in a thousand sermons. Oh, it gets quiet when I talk like that. See, parents, you don't need a thousand more sermons. You need to impact your children in church right now. Not enough amens. I'm going to stay on that. If your children distract you from this service right now, your children are your responsibility and you're pastoring them. You're meant to equip them. Well, I thought that's what they do over there. No, no, no. You're meant to equip them. You're meant to explain to them. You're meant to. Who who else do you think is meant to do that? Well, that's what I want them to do back there. No, 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 no. They need to do that with their kids here too. Because guess who I'm going to have share was the idea to do this. Who's going to be my first testimony to come up and say this was their idea? Our children's pastor. Is she so sick and tired of your kids? Absolutely not. Things have been going great in the back with the children. But she recognizes, everybody listen, that the relationship she's developing with her kids, the pastors are developing with her kids, not every parent is developing with their kids. And so she wants you to have the moment with your kids that you keep giving her to have in the back on Sundays. She wants you to have that moment now. She wants you to see what it's like when she has to tell them to sit down over and over again. She wants you to see what it's like when she has to keep their attention because she believes that what it does for her kids is worth more than anything she could ever hand off to anybody else to do for her kids. And so I asked our children's pastor, I said, I'm leaning in this direction. What do you think? She says, pastors, I've already been there. And she reminded me of times where she brought it up and she brought it up and she brought it up. And I kept changing and I kept changing it. And, I, and, and then I, I gave in a little bit a couple weeks ago and I said, well, we'll reduce it down just to, you know, infant to five years old. And then finally the Holy Spirit dealt with me yesterday and I, and I said, no, here's where I'm at. And I asked her and she says, bingo, that's where I've been. I want a church where my children sit with me and my husband and hear the word of God, learn with us. It's okay if it's a little bit more noisier. It's okay if a parent has to go have a stern talk with their child in the back. All of that is acceptable here because we made church a place that was supposed to be sterile, almost like a museum or a library. But when Jesus was having church, it was like this. And when the disciples were having church, do you think they sent off their children? No, Peter's children were right there next to them. So you may say, well, what about that extra training? Well, that's what we'll do Wednesday, King's Kids for. But I want to share a few more things. But let's give it up for Pastor Susie as she comes. 
Pastor Susie, just share with us your heart. And let me just say how proud I am of her. 85 were here last Wednesday, 85 on King's Kids Night. Over 60 children, 20 workers, they've been doing an amazing job. So nothing speaks against their work as pastors and leaders. They've been actually doing amazing. Go ahead. Yes, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's such a beautiful day to love and serve the Lord together. And to be able to do that with our sons and daughters next to us is such a blessing. So for those of you that may not be parents right now and have your kids, I hope that you see it the same way. We do, that you feel our heart, but um, I just think that my children can be in classes all week long. They can do activities, sports, we can go out with them everywhere else, but sharing this moment with them in church where they get to hear from a man of God, be led in worship with their parents, but you know, by Adam, it's, it's nothing, nothing compares to that from what we do throughout the week. So being able to come here on a Sunday, sit together, we don't get that as a family anywhere else. And I believe that it's going to be a great time for our families, our marriages to grow um, stronger. And it's just so exciting. So I hope you guys are excited too. Thank you. Wonderful. That's awesome. Thank you. Let's look at this next scripture that I have. Look at Matthew, or excuse me, uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It says, But as you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, the older men should be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise, that they would be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And they admonish the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Look at what the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. Read verse 4 with me, 1, 2, 3, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. What does that speak towards the group here as a church? Mothers, we're here to help teach you to love your children. If this is a difficult moment for you, then you're experiencing what teachers experience when you send your kids to school. If this is a difficult moment for you, you're experiencing what others have been experiencing as they've done child care and so forth. And so what we're believing is if even you say, I feel overwhelmed, or maybe a single mom might come with four or five children that hasn't had the same kind of home that Nancy and I have where father and mother are there, then the women will come alongside of you and say, here's how we can help. I'll take half of them with my group over here, and I'll have you just work on having three with you and teaching them the things of the Lord. Or maybe after service, a mother walks over to another mother, not judgmental, but says, hey, I've noticed that it's hard for you to keep the young ones still. They're a young boy or something. Here's what we do with our young boy. We tell them that if they sit still, they'll get a treat at the end of the day. And so that treat motivates that young boy to stay still. Something may encourage that mother and then let me ask you something. The disciples of the disciples, do you think they knew the traditions of Jesus and the ways of God, those disciples of the disciples, Peter's disciples, John's disciples? How do you think Christianity was passed along? They passed it along to their families, to their children. How do you think the smartest people among us in the American colonial time passed along Christianity? 
They didn't have children's church during the colonial times. John Wesley didn't go to a children's church on Sunday. They were taught to sit with their parents. They were taught to hear vocabulary words that they didn't understand and that they would grow into. They were taught to hear stories that would be complex, thinking, and most of them by the time, that's why I want my kids to graduate high school by 14 or 15, most of these colonial Americans were starting college in their teens. Most of them knew four and five languages. They were going to Harvard taking three and four degrees. We have dumbed down the educational system in America. And so we want to raise up our mothers especially to teach and to love their children. That you would love them. That you would find conversational pieces with your children after service. Because once again, if it's distracting to you to worship with your children with you, how are you going to worship when you go home and your children are with you? If it's distracting for your children now to sit down and listen, how will you have family devotions with your children? And so what we want to set up in the church is a place where we exhort this. But now not everybody's a mother, not everybody's a father. So some might say, well, it distracts me, Pastor. Maybe there's a young man here that says, Pastor, I thought this church was cool. I don't want to see a bunch of children in the service. I want to have it be raw and up in your face. Well, we'll still be all of that. But look at what it says in verse 6. Likewise, exhort young men. Somebody say young men. Exhort young men, thank you, to be sober-minded in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Watch this. That the one who is an opponent may, an opponent may be ashamed, have nothing evil to say about us. How are young men supposed to be? Are young men supposed to be irresponsible or responsible? Are they supposed to be partying, thinking about themselves, or are they supposed to be sober-minded? What does a young person look like who loves Jesus? They're sober-minded, and they're a pattern of good works. So what does a young adult learn in a family service like this? He learns what it's like to be a father like Curtis. Curtis didn't choose the life of being a a, a father that separated from his baby's mother. He didn't choose that life. Through past decisions, some maybe that would be considered mistakes, but God brought a child out of that. And now Curtis raises that child and the mother, and they're in two separate homes. But Curtis is an example to every young man here of a sober-minded man and a pattern of good works. And so... When Calvin sees Curtis, Curtis is a father and a, and a hard worker and a provider. And when his daughter sits next to him, Calvin sees a role model. Calvin sees a role model. Calvin sees an example that I can be like Curtis. Because when you come over to Curtis's house, Curtis doesn't tuck away his daughter and say, no, it's just dude time. There may be an appropriate time for that. But when you come over to Curtis's house, the greatest joy, the greatest smile is not going to be when he plays basketball. It's not going to be when he goes out with the dudes and hangs out. The greatest joy you're going to see in Curtis's life is when his daughter comes over and when you see the daughter hang out. And so young men have to see the pattern. Some may say the pattern, the pattern of good works. You want to know where, Destiny, I learned about homeschooling? By watching my pastor and set the pattern. In New Orleans, four boys homeschooling. I saw the pattern. Where do we learn about family? We should learn about it in church. So I took some time to write out these things so that we can be encouraged. And then from this point on, it's going to be our new normal. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Number one, some things to consider. Number one, 
We can share God moments together now with our children. How many of you have either been in worship, prayer, or the preaching, and tears came down your face, you experienced God in a great way? How many now know you can grab a child's hand and say, get some of this? You can now say, get some of this, experience this. You can place your hand. You can be the Jesus to your child. And literally, in that God moment, while you're shaking or crying, you can put them, come on, give her to me right here. You can put your child right here, come on. You can put your child right in your hands, and you can say, Lord, all that you're doing in me, do it in her life right now. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, may she love you like she's never loved you before. I feel Jesus. I'm coming to the prayer worker but because I got to hold her. Someone else can't hold her, but I'll hold her, and I'll still come to the prayer worker. Oh, pray for me to experience God more. I need a touch in my life. Okay, you ready, baby? We're going to raise our hands and let somebody pray for us. You see, we're not... We're not separating the God moment. We're not separating the God moment. I'm going to say that again. We're not separating the God moment. We're sharing the God moment. All of my children watch movies with us at home that are age appropriate. The children, you know, the family style movie. They watch them with us, hour and a half. She'll walk around a little bit, but she'll sit with daddy most of the time. This is only an hour and a half service. Come on, somebody. We all go to the zoo together and look at big scary animals, and then I hold her and tell her it's all right. Maybe something might disturb them in the service. I don't know, a loud noise, a band a crashing of the cymbal. Hey, it's okay. It's just the band. But I want to share the moments. I want to share them, not separate them. Can I hear an amen? Go to mama, big girl. Go and get you mama. Next thing is order in the family. Have you noticed that over time we've gotten so smart we've actually become dumb? Have you noticed that? I mean that in a, in a, in a real, like, kind of jovial way, because we're not as smart as we think. But I think you get my point. We think we, we're so smart with our smartphones, but most people just don't understand stuff like they used to. People can't point to the Pacific Ocean when they live in California. Our children are learning less in school, though we have all of this technology. And how about social order? Just think about children 50 years ago. Do you think they were more well-behaved or less behaved than our children as a whole in culture today? Well, how did most of those children grow up? I mean, come on, ask, ask Mr. Swartz back there. When you went to church, did the children sit with their parents in church? Yeah. Most people grew up with their children in church. Having a separate service is a relatively new thing. Maybe his generation might have been the one that started around the 50s and 60s. But even then, more people were still in church with their family. Even the Roman Catholics do it, right? But now here's the deal. What is more effective, though? Because I'm not just about doing it to do it. I want to be effective as well. Well, here's what I understand effectiveness to be. When my three-year-old Zoe, Zoe, come up to Daddy, please. She wanted to play with her friends today. And I said to her, I said, people are coming over tomorrow you can play with. You play at the park every day, meet new kids. She's the talker of our family. Uh, I said, Wednesdays, King's Kids is a time to play. I said, but you know what you're going to learn today? You're going to learn how to sit with us and go to church and appreciate the same things mommy and daddy appreciate. And is that fun? Are you having fun? Okay, let's give it up for Zoe. Thank you. You can go be seated. So once again, if it's uncomfortable for you as a parent, or if I see Nancy, she gets her arms filled over there, or some of us with bigger families, don't feel sorry for us. 
This is, this is our joy to help our family experience this. Because listen, after we get done talking about this and we go back to preaching about all those important things we do, guess what? Every week when you see children sitting here with their parents, that's more important than even the things I'm talking about. Because if the children don't get it, we're just talking to the last generation of Christians right now. If our children don't get it, then we're talking to ourselves. Then basically, we're not impacting them. And I do want to impact them. And I want you to impact them and raise them up. Somebody say deep talks. Somebody might think, because, you know, next, uh, not, next week's message is Father's Day, and the one after that will be on God's uh, union with the church. Well, that was going to touch on homosexuality. And listen, I even said that word with children present. Some people may say, well, is that subject matter appropriate for children? If they are old enough to understand it, then they're old enough to, to talk about it. So let me give you an example. When I say that word, homosexuality, Joy and Lucas do not even bat an eye. That, uh, Zoe and Lucas and Joy don't even bat an eye. Four and under, uh, six and under doesn't even understand, right? But my children do understand. So what does that mean? That means they're ready to understand that subject. How do I know that as a fact? Because when my children were at Culver's, they saw two boys kiss each other on the TV. So we've done everything we can to guard them from it, but then leave it to Culver's to have some TV show on or some commercial, and then there blows up my Christian bubble. But what, what, can, what can parents now do with their children in a setting with a church like this? You could say, you remember when pastor talked about that? Remember when pastor brought that up? That was a time that you were to learn about that. Or maybe they hear it and they haven't seen it yet. You prepare them for it. So when they're sitting in Culver's and they see it, they go, that's a sin. That's just like somebody murdering somebody. That's not natural. That's icky. Because we taught them about that. Now, does that mean I introduce adult subjects to children? Absolutely not. I'm not going to try to sit down with Zoe today and introduce that to her. But in her mind, in her maturity, take it from me as a parent with a lot of children, when she's ready, she'll let me know she's ready. How? By asking me the questions. She'll come after the service and say, what did that word mean? Or what did that picture mean when I saw in Culver's? Just like my girls did. Bing, bing, bing. That's now an alarm going off saying, it's time to talk to them about it. Not time to talk to everybody else about it, but the one that's appropriate for. Somebody say, God help us. Amen. The next thing that we see is that it builds community. If we were today hanging around Jesus, would Jesus have a quiet environment to that of a library? Or would Jesus have the noise of children and family with him? Now, for us in the Western culture, I have to be honest with you, that's a distraction to me as well. So when I first started pastoring, I didn't know much about being a, a father because I wasn't one. So only way I could relate to it was by doing what I saw other churches do. And the model of other churches is put children in the back. Have the adults here, have it be quiet and go forth and so on, right? But then what I began to notice was as I began to have children, is I actually didn't like that model. So I've had this in my heart for a long time, just personally as a pastor, long time. So I began to kick it around with some of our staff, and I said, is it just me, or do you guys feel like you want your children in church? And as I said, I began to hear Sue Ellen's ideas, and I said, oh, man, maybe that's too extreme. Maybe we should wait on that. But then I began to realize that my heart as a father was crying out for it the whole time. And so there's a story.
story in the Bible about Saul trying to give David his armor to go take on Goliath. And when he took on Saul's armor, it didn't fit and he would have lost the battle. But when he took off Saul's armor and said, I don't fight like Saul does. I fight like a shepherd does, just with a slingshot and some rocks. Then God blessed David as he went to go against the giant. And I began to realize when I take off this model that I've been taught from the church culture of American Christianity, because Nancy just showed me pictures of our missionaries and, uh, you know, Tisa and Jean there in South Africa, all their families there, all, you know, everybody's enjoying church. Uh, when I took off that armor, I feel free now. Why do I feel free about community? Because I sense right now that our children's workers don't miss any more services. The parents are responsible for their children, not only behaviorally, but now they're responsible for the messages I'm giving because I believe they're important. I believe all of us now get a sense of who we really are in the church. Like when you look at Chris Pittman with his daughter, and that's, that's your daughter Zoe, right? And just hold her up a little bit. Everybody give her a big old awe as you look at her. Come on. Let me just tell you, let, let me just tell you here as a pastor slash father, the moment I walked into today's church, uh, to the sanctuary, and I saw him with his daughter, I saw him differently than I saw him all the other times before because his daughter was always away from him. I, up until today, and the one time I did a funeral for Mo when, when her grandmother passed, I have only seen him with his daughter maybe one other time, probably in passing when he was taking her to go somewhere. But when I came in today, I'm talking as a pastor father and saw him next to his daughter, it just changed the way I saw him. It just changed the way I saw him. The moment I saw Evan today, Pastor Berto's son, coming into the sanctuary, I saw him in a different way. I didn't see him as a kid that just goes in the back. I now see him as my responsibility. He's coming here today. He's going to sit here today. I need to make sure that at least something will enter into his mind today. And so it builds us community. Uh, the next thing that it does is it gives us examples. When we see families being exemplified in our church, we now have an example of family. What does family look like when they sit down for church? Well, look at my wife and our family. She's got three of them huddled around her right now. That's what it looks like. What does it look like when we sing songs? Some of them are going to clap. Some of them are going to jump. But what do you think is going to happen over the next six months to a year as they begin to get used to this? As they begin to grow up in it, what example do you think they're going to set now to the children in the neighborhood? What example do you think Nancy will share to a mother that maybe feels overwhelmed with her kids? What example is it going to inspire in your life? We begin to become fearless. Some may say fearless. You see, if we take off the idea of we're trying to impress people here, like, one of the ideas I always used to have in my mind is, well, what would a visitor say? What would a visitor say? Listen, I shouldn't care what a visitor would say. I should care first and foremost what my children's pastor says. I should care first and foremost what the other mothers of this church feel. And the mothers that I've been speaking to want their children with them in this service and should have that opportunity. And so we should show the world that we're not afraid to have our children with us, to experience God. Because listen to this last sentence. Even our children can be filled with the Holy Spirit because there's no junior Holy Spirit. 
We can show that we're not afraid to place our hands on them and to say, God has a calling for your life. And then last but not least, we can believe in the future. We can believe in the future. I'm sowing seeds into this church for the future. I see right now Carlos hugging his granddaughter right now, Jenna. Let's give it up for Carlos hugging his granddaughter. Come on. Thank you. And I see, amen, and I see in his heart the future for her. She's sitting beautifully next to her grandfather. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to try to keep services on time. They've been running lately, a little bit late as of lately. But I see him holding on to his daughter. And I see the future in his eyes for her. He wants the best for her. He wants to give her something to look forward to in life. Whatever mistakes he's made, he wants to be honest with her. And wherever he's accomplished things in life, he wants her to be inspired and to go further. Well, what better place to learn that than church? Should we only teach our children through Barney and dancing dinosaurs? Or should they be inspired by their grandfathers? Or should they be inspired by our mothers and by the husbands and the fathers that are here he doesn't have to dress up like a blue dinosaur to impact Jenna's life and to give her a life lesson. And we didn't ask Jesus to do that, did we? Did we say, Jesus, it would be different for you to keep the children's attention if you were dressed up like Bozo the Clown, then they would listen to you more, Jesus. So, Joe, don't talk about Jesus-type things. Come here like Bozo and give them a, a circus. No, the grandfather doesn't do that. And why should the pastor do that? We should look at our children and say, I see in you the future. And though right now, Zoe may not remember the squirming she had when she was four years old, the first time she had to really sit through an entire service, or Joy having to roll around on the floor, but I'm not embarrassed for them because I know five years from now, when they're eight, nine years old, they'll be more obedient to God's commands than most adults. Because if I take the future serious, I'm going to sow my life into them. And I'm going to give them my heart. So let me just say this in closing. Let me say this in closing. The church, the children are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Let me give you a few things to think about as Adam comes, please. We don't want anyone here to feel uncomfortable coming to church. Whether your child is the most well-behaved child in the entire church or your child is the most troublemaking child in the entire church, we want you to feel comfortable here. We want those of you who may be like me when I was a single man, felt uncomfortable around children. I want you to see it as your gift to this church to sacrifice for families because one day you'll be the one with the child making noise. How many know that? The ones who complain about children when they have children learn the lesson. You know, you always see those kinds of things on Facebook. It's always the, the women who don't have children who think that, that the children should act a certain way in the supermarket or whatever. And then here's the other thing that I, I want us to understand is that this church is not like others. We're not following the models we just see down the road because they're already doing that. That's for them. We're trying to follow models, Vinny and Des, because you guys have been doing great singing, and I know, you know, uh, Kayla's going to watch the kids while you're doing that. We're trying to follow the models that when you go home today, you say, I am more blessed than I've ever been before because we were like Jesus. I want her children to see her, them sing. 
If that means my kids got to adopt their kids during worship time because Kayla gets overwhelmed, I'm going to do that because I want them to grow up seeing that. So I'm not, let me just say this, I'm not unaware that it's louder than it's normally been or there's not movement, but what I'm trying to tell you is there's nothing wrong with that. And if you can get past the distraction of a squirmy child or a little noise in the background, you're going to see families' lives change. And I think, and I'm not trying to be, you know, snobby in this, but I think you're going to start to experience God more than you did before when it was more quiet. I've almost broken to tears. Listen to me. I've almost broken to tears three times today. And I've never felt that way just as rapidly as I have before. When I saw Chris, I almost went right into tears going, you are an amazing father. When I was holding her hands, uh, Joy's hands during worship, I almost went into tears. And when little Zoe came up here, just to be brave as she was, to say, I'm here to give it a try. I'm going to do it for Jesus. That just touches my heart. We believe in heaven. And we want our families to go. And we love this community, and we want all the children of this community to come with their families. And so here's a few things that you now can do to make sure that this is the church of today, not the church of tomorrow, is give us grace to make this place a place of children. And I want to say this to every parent here. If for whatever reason you feel the squirming, the child take off running from your hands, the, the one bumps into the neighbor, whatever. If you feel that makes you uncomfortable to even be in this church, I want to apologize to you and say, I'm sorry if I ever made church make you feel like you couldn't have that moment here. See, I'm almost going to cry again. Like, I'm so serious. Listen to me. I am sorry to you. If there's ever a moment in your mind like you would feel at a restaurant, well, we need to get out of here. We need to get out of the church. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's. If you have even thought that already or you are feeling that now, please forgive me. This was never meant to be that place. This was always meant to be the place of you and your family. Jesus said, let the children come to me. And if you ever feel that I or a leader or the church in general of America has told you not to come close with them, then forgive us. But we'll allow the movement. I'll let a parent get up out their seat, take the child into the, uh, you know, the, the lobby, uh, go in, you know, have a little talk or do uh, breastfeeding, whatever. The back is still open. We, we have that available if you ever need it to have a talk or if you have an infant. Please move around. But here's what I want to ask you to do with me as we get ready to close and take communion as families. Give it a shot even though it feels awkward. Give it a shot. Go for it. Don't give up on it so fast. Don't be negative about it so fast. Give it a shot because we're going to close out today taking communion as a family. And if we were to be honest, other than that time we did it at Christmas, most of us have never taken communion with our families. And those of you who are single adults, you guys can get into small groups as we do that. But I want us to make the church of tomorrow today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this awesome day. It's a day of family. It's a day of shifting our church to make it more family-friendly, to give our children's workers an opportunity to be in the service with their children, for all of us to learn and worship together. 
And as we move forward, and some may not be here today, and they'll come next week and go, whoa, what's going on? Is it just for Father's Day? Lord, I pray that everyone will have a heart to understand. And even those of us here, God, that may be single moms or uh, parents with children that are more active than others, God, I pray that every one of us, including the ones that have more of a difficult time, would give it a shot, surrender to you, and even use our imagination to pretend we were on a mountainside with Jesus where it was okay to be around Jesus and to have a squirmy child or to be in a disciple's house like Peter and Peter's wife is catching one of the boys running across the kitchen and Peter's still preaching and they handed it down generation to generation. And then, Lord, may this inspire us to bring them to Wednesday King's Kids where they can learn child-appropriate things, do skills for children, learn and grow, Bring our youth to elevate, uh, elevate service and the adults on Fridays so that we can all continue to grow in our own spaces. But make this space, Jesus, make this space a space of family. Make it a space of belonging in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Brothers, would you now pass out the community? Yeah, feel free to give it up for Jesus. It's exciting. Thank you. It's exciting. Thank you. We're going to pass out the communion, and here's how we're going to do it today. After you are done taking communion, you are dismissed. The altar workers, as they take the communion, they'll come up and line up as normal if you need special prayer. But I want to encourage you to get with your family, some of you young adults, get with your friends, youth group, get together, and take communion, husbands and wives, children, and really look into each other's hearts and say, do you know that I love you? You know, look at each other's eyes and express your heart rather. Say, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I care about you? And embark on a journey with us. Amen. So you're dismissed after communion. You may take it as you feel free to do so. And God bless you. Adam, thank you. And lead us in worship, please. And I'm seated in heavenly places. The Spirit of God embraces all my sin He erases inside of me. I'm blessed with spiritual blessings. His identity I'm expressing. His word I'm professing to those around me. And I closer to heaven than I am right now and I've never been closer to heaven than I am right now